You are listening to the Veterinary Project Podcast, episode 058. Welcome to the show created by vets featuring absolutely no pets. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, hosted by Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Our resident veterinarians have swapped out their stethoscopes in favor of microphones to bring you the Veterinary Project Podcast, a show focused on real conversations aimed to connect this amazing profession full of remarkable people. Through the sharing of collective stories and wisdom and connecting over the many unique challenges we face, we invite you to join our community of veterinary professionals leading intentional lives. And now, here are the hosts of the Veterinary Project Podcast, Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast. You are once again joined by Dr. Jonathan Light and Dr. Michael Bug. Mikey, what's shaking? Oh man, your your intros are always so ridiculous. Like different different tones and pitches, but I love it. I know, I don't know what I'm gonna get. I'm gonna switch it up. It felt like a day to switch it up. I've been pretty bland the last couple. How are you doing today? Doing well. That was a fun conversation. Um, these are always fun. Uh, you were leading this one. You had organized it, did the pre-recording. Um, so I'm jumping in and, you know, it was funny. It was like with Kate, that did not feel like the first time the three of us were all chatting. That was one of those conversations that was very natural, just seemed to flow. So had a great time with it. Agreed. For anybody that is looking at um, what quality of life can look like when you are willing to go outside the normal bounds or the expectations in veterinary medicine of living a day-to-day clinic life, you are in the right place today because we're going to walk through Kate's journey and what she's doing today as ClinPath Kate, as you can find ClinPath Kate, as you can find her on Instagram. Yeah. Great conversation. And one that we will not be finishing today. We'll have more with her. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Other than that, I forgot. I don't know if I've even ever mentioned. I know we've talked about I'm writing a book um, and I kind of got stalled. It went off um, to content edit. So it's like another set of eyes goes on and they rip it apart. And that just came back. I got that back the other day. Um, So yeah, that's a kind of a cool landmark, but it's also at a quick glance, there's a lot of red on it. There's a lot of edits that need to happen here over the next while. So my October is going to be lots of research and trying to fill in all the blanks that the content editor has pointed out. Buddy, I'm so excited. You've just put this out on the podcast. This is not a setup and pre-recording. Well, I talked about this for a long time. I know it, we kind of got like, cause when it went off to edit, like, and I forgot about it over harvest. And they said, you need to, you need to step away, you know, forget about it. Don't think about it. And I didn't. And now it all comes back. And so the next month is full on. There's going to be like, I'm thinking over a hundred hours at least, um, you know, like getting into, to get it to the next phase, but I'm excited. It's been a fun journey. And I'm sure there are others that are listening right now that are going to want to know that journey of writing a book. So we are going to put you on the hot seat because I, I want to ask a whole bunch more questions, but that would defeat the purpose of this uh, conversation today with Dr. Kate Baker, but buddy, we're, cool. we're going into that further. Okay. We'll shelf it. What's, what's happening your way. Um, what, specifically you'd, you'd said some things around Bridgeland. Things are going well with the team. 
yeah, we are almost at month two dun, 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 since startup. And a, a couple of events happened yesterday at the hospital, um, at the clinic, sorry, I should be saying. And it just made my heart so big. And I had walked in five minutes after actually a really bad situation where we'd had a dog arrest during a dental profi. And the team there stepped up to the plate. They were able to bring the dog back very quickly and uh, just watching the team work and just literally this was our first event where we had some complicated cases the last couple of days. They were able to step up to what was a really big challenge and to watch the team come together, do what needed to be done. And I'm talking everybody, everybody in that room, everybody on our team was involved. Uh, it was just, it, yeah, made me proud and, and I just felt fantastic and had everything going right about it for making sure that we're able to look after that animal in a situation here where uh, we're still uncertain the next day as to what had occurred, no medical error, but these things do happen. Um, and so I think there's, we're going to, we're going to look at it afterwards and make sure that we have everything possible we can for the next time. Cause there always will be a next time, but for two months in um, ensuring we have all the processes we need to ensure that our pets are looked after is a proud moment. Good. Yeah. It's nice that, I mean, it's not nice to have hurdles like that, but always nice when you can, can navigate them and get to the other side. And we we're in the veterinary clinic. This is going to happen. There are, you know, there are events that happen that you cannot foresee and it's the training and setup that set up for whether you're going to be successful to get that animal back. This is one of those times. So yeah, really happy with it. Um, changing gears a little bit. It is time for a quick tip. Mike, what do you have for today's quick tip. All right. So today's quick tip, uh, kind of inspired by Kate. Um, after the recording had stopped, we were chatting. She had mentioned a book she's reading, and I've said it before, The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Amazing book. Um, and also in our conversation with Kate, we'll, we'll get into it. I was going to ask her a question, but I felt like it was unfair because I don't even know if it can be answered. And she was talking about how amazing it is and how amazing it feels to have the freedom that she has in her life, right? And it reminded me of this quote um, from, from this book. And the quote is, wealth is what you don't see. And so that's my quick tip for today is wealth is what you don't see. And what I mean by that is this can be taken two ways. In relation to the conversation that you're going to hear with Kate, the, the wealth, the, the, the richness of having that time freedom and control of her schedule, you know, you, you don't necessarily get to see that, right? That's just like a feeling that comes with it. Taken more literally from the book, wealth is, you know, the Ferraris that were not purchased. Whenever you see someone driving a fancy car, all you know is they spent money on that car. Whether they had the money or not, you don't know. They might've just signed, signed some paperwork. Um, but anyway, that's what jumped out to me in chatting with Kate. Wealth is what you don't see, especially that freedom piece that really, really spoke to me. I see a short episode coming up specific on this topic. But in the meantime, let's move over. Thank you very much for your quick tick, Mike. We are going to uh, go into some details later on. In the meantime, we are joined by Dr. Kate Baker today. And Dr. Kate Baker grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, completing her DVM at the University of Tennessee in 2012. She then completed a rotating internship and clinical pathology residency, becoming board certified in 2016. 
Dr. Baker currently works as a veterinary educator and diagnostic clinical pathologist. She's the founder of the highly active Facebook group, Veterinary Cytology Coffee House, offers continuing education and resources through her website, Veterinary Cytology Schoolhouse, and recently launched a personalized telecytology consultation service, Pocket Pathologist. She lives on a small farm in Columbia, Tennessee, with her husband and two young children. They have three dogs, two chihuahuas, and a cavapoo, a mini donkey, a pygmy goat, and 30 chickens. Without further ado, Dr. Kate Baker. Kate, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. We are very excited to have you on the podcast. If there is any setup for this conversation this afternoon, it is the first 10 minutes of laughing that the three of us are, <laughs> have already all partaken in our pre-recording setup. I am excited for where this conversation goes this morning. <laughs> me too. I'm super excited. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been fun already and we haven't even gotten into it. <laughs> That's right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, goal for today, and, and Kate, I think a place to start is where have you journeyed to get to this place in your career, which in our pre-recording you discussed being in such a happy place today? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, a little bit of a weird uh, <laughs> progress to this point, but it's been really cool. Um, weird is not always bad. Uh, in fact, tangent already, I have a... <laughs> I have a tattoo that I got when I was 16 that is Japanese um, symbols, you know, because that was popular then. And it is supposed to say unique, but I had I later on had a Japanese friend that said, no, that actually means strange or weird. So, so yeah, so that's kind of just been my life. <laughs> but- this is not surprising me at all. <laughs> now we've got this yeah. out in the first minute of the podcast. <laughs> is even better. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's a I embrace it though. But yeah, it's just sort of been the trajectory of my career. It's just been a little bit um uh off of the mainstream. So, I actually went into veterinary school planning to be a pathologist. I really enjoyed um learning about disease when I was younger, even before veterinary school, I took some courses in undergrad that I got really interested in things like histology and molecular biology. Prior to that, I had been more interested in the traditional role of the veterinarian. I worked at the veterinary office and did all those things. And I was, I was always interested in like the excitement of the day. I was specifically interested in just watching like the emergency process and I'm jumping ahead a bit, but I'm still interested in that. I'm married to uh, an emergency veterinarian and previously worked inside of a, a emergency and specialty hospital and would always come out and watch, you know, all the things going on in the ER, but I never wanted to be the one doing anything with it. <laughs> I just wanted to watch, like I was watching a television show. Um, but yeah, so before vet school, I planned on, uh, or I, I really developed an interest in um, the specifics of disease and how disease develops on a molecular level and how the organism can be affected. So I it's like, okay, well, how can I combine this with my interests prior to this in veterinary medicine? And so I started digging and realized that veterinary pathology was a career even before vet school. So I went into vet school and the whole three years planned to do anatomic pathology. So there's, for people listening that don't know, there's two types of pathology, clinical pathology and anatomic pathology. Anatomic pathology is more of um, necropsy, 
uh, dealing with whole tissues and then histopathology versus clinical pathology, which is what I do now, um, is cytology, hematology, and clinical chemistry. So I have been planning to do anatomic all the way through until I got to my fourth year and I really enjoyed clinical pathology. I still love anatomic pathology and my professors <laughs> were disappointed, you know, cause the ones that I had, my mentors throughout the whole time were anatomic and they were like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you going to the oily side? Um, but I, I really, I, I loved the idea of being more like involved in a day-to-day -day basis with the clinician and um, ongoing cases and, and uh, cytology was really fascinating to me. So anyhow, I finished um, vet school with the plan of pursuing clinical pathology residency. I ended up doing a small animal rotating internship that I had not previously planned to do. Um, just life circumstances ended up where that's what happened. Um, and I <laughs> struggled. <laughs> Giggling already. Uh, <laughs> I struggled. I'm good friends with, um, oddly enough, my husband now is an emergency veterinarian for the hospital I did my internship at. <laughs> so uh, I'm friends with their specialists at the time. I, I had a hard time and it was because I think it was because I, um, I had never planned to do anything clinical. So even though obviously I learned those things in vet school and I, um, I studied to pass the tests. I never really felt committed to learning that. Yeah. And I also had a really healthy dose of imposter syndrome, which I know many of us do. Mine ended up being quite paralyzing. So for the first six months, I was like, I think they were like, what did, who are you? <laughs> like, are you, I remember at one point, one of the doctors was like, are you even a, are you sure you graduated vet school? Like he was teasing, but I remember that, um, probably was not the nicest thing to say. At the time. <laughs> and do but, you think that was because you weren't able to open up as much as you wanted to? And you just said, Hey, you know, I've, I've got to yeah. pretend I know it all. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and, and I felt so insecure about just ev like everything. I felt insecure about my knowledge base. I felt paralyzed in like, is this treatment that I'm administering the right one? And I mean, I even got kind of extreme where I was just doing almost a, an OCD type thing, like rechecking my, um, which I don't have that. And I, I know that's a real thing. So I don't use that term like lightly, like um, truly I would go back to my treatment sheets and triple and quadruple check them and do my math a bajillion times. Cause I'm just not a math person. Even the simplest of math just freaks me out. So uh, yeah, I mean, I felt really insecure. And um, so what happened was, is halfway through my internship, I mean, I was really struggling. Like I really was like, I don't think, cause I had always been so used to just being successful and, you know, getting good grades and not being considered the low man on the totem pole as far as like what, how you're performing. And I was like, I, I'm, I might need to quit this internship, you know, it was around Christmas. And I just thought I'm like a drag on everybody else. I mean, I had a lot of really like strong personal, just this like uh, internal conflict. Well, I talked to my uh, mom. And basically I ended up saying, okay, I'm going to, she said, don't quit and just go in there. <laughs> she told me this story about how she made it all through junior high, pretending to play the flute. Like she didn't actually know how to play the flute, but she pretended the entire time. So she would go to competitions and like, nobody ever knew that she actually didn't know how to play the flute for like years. So she was like, just go and just fake it. <laughs> 
which the good thing about this is that you really don't want to just fake it like as a doctor. But what that did is that it made me realize that I don't have to fake it. So even though I felt like I was faking it, what was really coming out of me was like the knowledge I actually had that I just didn't have the confidence to put forth. Yeah. So I really just like reset my mind and I was like, I'm going to go in there and I'm just going to completely be a different person. So I really actually like manifested this different being. It sounds weird, but I did. And I just went in and I told the specialist, I was like, it's all right. We're about to do this. And I distinctly remember them being like, what happened to you? Because you're like great now, like you, you're doing a great job. So of course that made me feel good. But anyway, so sorry, Kate, a- this happened just over a Christmas break. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Cause it was just the breaking point. Like I, I just couldn't, um, I had to decide, you know, like what I was going to do. And I'm not a quitter. I didn't want to quit. I've never quit anything. Well, that's not true. I mean, I quit like softball when I was young, (laughs) but something this important, it was actually like a pretty critical point. And so I didn't, I didn't want to quit, but I just felt so uncomfortable (laughs) to the extreme. Um, But yeah, it, I mean, it just really turned around about halfway through and um, I got the superlative of most improved (laughs) at the end. So you Um, set yourself up for that. That's that's right. That's right. I was still operating on a pretty low level, but anything (laughs) wasn't it. No, No, it was cool. It was cool introspectively just to say, okay, I am capable of this, even though this isn't my interest. I am a hundred percent sure now that I do not want to practice because really my, like my whole professional interest is diagnostics, obviously. And my interest pretty much takes a screeching halt at diagnosis. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you say that because there's so many that are in school that are concerned that, Hey, I've got this specific thought process to go in one direction or another. I was one Mm -hmm. of them. I knew, Mm -hmm. knew where I wanted to go pretty soon into school. And that does separate you out from many others. And you can be uh, blacklisted in terms of looking different than the norm. Did mm-hmm. you feel that in vet school at all? Knowing that you already had that. That trajectory. Unique? Yeah, no, I don't think I kind of, I'm again, I kind of embraced that uniqueness <laughs> or weirdness. I, I was fine with that. Um, I, I, I was so invested in pathology that I just, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely didn't have, <laughs> I, I didn't make a grades like on my cardiology tests because cardiology is about as far from <laughs> cytology as it gets. There's like hardly anything that happens cardiology wise that is uh, important to us that a clinical pathologist. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I was pretty okay with it, but I mean, I, I think that it's normal, like you said, to not be okay with it or to feel uncomfortable to say, you know, um, is it okay that I'm following this particular path. And my path was very different. I mean, most people don't know exactly what they want to do. And even if they feel like they do, you know, they, they may change their mind and that's okay too. So yeah, it's just different strokes. So then moving forward here, you go then into your residency Yep. and you move through your residency. That's a three-year residency. Yep. Yep. Three-year residency at Illinois, at university of Illinois. So I went from my internship into my residency, which you don't actually have to have an internship to do a pathology residency. Um, so that's why I say I'm glad I did it because people listening might say, well, don't you have to do one? And you don't. Um, but I'm glad I did because I really gained, even though it was just a year, I got a good appreciation for what clinicians see and deal with. And 
those money conversations that nobody likes. And knowing that, you know, in my, in myself, when I write my reports and stuff, I can be more conscientious of that when I'm giving uh, the primary veterinarian advice um, in my interpretations. But yeah, so then I went into my residency and I was a complete rock star. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding. Totally opposite of internship. No, I loved my residency. My residency mentors were amazing, are their friends now and still mentors. But uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, I loved it. Um, three years. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly ahead. on that, is there something that you did different? and set up for your residency that set you up for that kind of success and the feeling and, and the look I see now in your faces to description, describing yeah. that residency. I don't know that it necessarily was anything I did. I wish I could give myself credit. It was more of just that this was, this was what I wanted to focus on. You know, I, I didn't want to be the jack of all trades. I wanted to be really knowledgeable about one area and that's where I felt more comfortable. And I was, obviously specifically interested in this area. So it was more of just a, I'm super excited to be able to dump everything else out of my brain <laughs> and just focus on this, which there, it's not that there's less, there's tons, you know, that's becoming board certified in that area. It doesn't mean, oh, it's just, you know, nothing, but it's, it's focused. And I really, that my brain really likes that. Yeah, I would say that. So then you finish your boards in 2016. Mm-hmm. You start work with Antec and you yep. work with Antec for almost four years. Yeah. Just about four years. Just yeah. about four years. Right, right around there. And during that time, describe for the team, and I want to switch directions a little bit here. Describe for our listeners what happened in that interlude in terms of the setup for what right now is a completely different career. Right. Yeah. So my time as a diagnostic pathologist with Antec was great. I... Um, really enjoyed my job. I um, was really lucky because I was able to be housed in an emergency and specialty clinic, like I mentioned. So that was really nice for me because I really like still being, like I said, part of the veterinary team and not being physically away. Uh, so that was really, really nice and fulfilling for me. And also I got to work with my husband who I really like. So, <laughs> so that was fun. But, uh, but yeah, I felt really like I could come out of my office and talk to the clinician and get more information and bounce ideas off. And it was just a really professionally fulfilling environment. I had a quite a high caseload as you tend to do in diagnostic pathology. Yeah. So, um, but what that did is that it, one, it taught me efficiency even more than I had already had before, which came with some, you know, I'm not going to say it was always a cakewalk. Like it was hard, you know, when I was in the beginning and I was trying to get used to that caseload, it was like, whoa, you know, but you develop systems to, to fix that, you know, or to, to do better with that. And for those that don't understand, because we um, get the backlogs or we get the delays on getting results back from specialists now through consultations, et cetera. What was the expectation generalized to how many cases you'd be running through a day? What would that look like, Kate? It depends on, so they were good about working with you and your comfort level and your efficiency, but obviously there was expectations too, because it's, you mm -hmm. know, you can't be like, well, I'll take five cases a day and be done. Uh, so for me, I got to the point where I was reading about 50 to 60 cases a day, which is a lot. 
Um, but again, you really work systems into that because what I never wanted to do is have so many cases that I felt like the quality of my work was affected because my oath at the end of the day is to do the best job I can for the animal. So if I ever felt like I was stretched too thin, you know, I had those conversations with my boss, but things like dictation software and, and seeing 10 mast cells a day, sometimes, you know, 10 mast cell tumors, you just get, you get a lot quicker. Yeah. And it was during this time, and we discussed this in your pre-recording, that you realized how much you missed teaching. Yes. And that yeah. that was the impetus for going outside the norm again in your uniqueness. <laughs> and tell us a little bit about that compared to your residency and where your group on Facebook then started. Yeah. Yeah. So in my role with Antec, I had that high caseload. I got a ton of experience and was exposed to a lot of different case types. And um, <laughs> I remember when I first started thinking like, this is so cool. Look at what I'm seeing. This is amazing. You know, not this 20th lipoma, but they're not all those, you know, I would get any type of case. And I wanted to show people, and my husband was only willing to be dragged into my office so many times, <laughs> right? I mean, he's busy. He's like, cool, Kate, got to go. Dog's dying, you know? Um, and I'm like, but look at this, like histoplasma. Don't you care? No, we, I understood, but I really just wanted to share, you know, it was just like, how can people like, this is just such a waste for only my eyes to see this. So, um, so I started this Facebook group, the Veterinary Cytology Coffee House, and the whole idea around it was simply to share those cases with veterinary professionals. So look at what I saw today. Here's a little bit of teaching associated with that. Um, because back in my residency, it was very teaching heavy. And so I developed a knack for teaching, uh, a confidence in teaching. I was not always confident initially, and I still am not. I'm actually enrolled in a, um, I shouldn't say I'm not confident. I'm open to the fact that everybody can get better, you know, so I'm, I'm enrolled in a, in a teaching veterinary teaching program at the Royal Veterinary um, College now, just because I want to be even better. So, um, but yeah, I took that from that residency experience and said, I really just want some teaching outlet. So didn't really know how to do that. So I started this Facebook group and it really just organically developed into this really rich space of veterinary professionals joining, which there's a lot now, um, which kind of <laughs> emphasizes how much people need this, you know, oh, yeah. that need, need this exposure and need this, like, uh, somebody to help. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's just sort of developed over time. And so I post cool cases there and other people post things there, um, their cases too. You know, the goal of this, this Facebook group is not to be a free diagnostic board. It never has been that the intent of it has never been that. And I've put systems into place to try to help prevent just that, you know? Yeah. But I recognize, um, but I have really respectful members. Um, it's an excellent learning environment and, uh, I love it. I really dig it. <laughs> and something that I thought was so cool in our pre-recording is talking about the culture within this yeah. Facebook group that you've created. And just for all of our listeners, there's 60,000 plus Facebook community members, they must be veterinary professionals to be part of this group, correct? Yes, that's right. And one of the direct questions I asked was, who do you have moderating this group? How do you deal with that? And can you share a little bit with the listeners how you handle this? Because this is a, a, a personal affair here. Yeah, it is. So it's me. <laughs> um, it's me and my husband. He helps out too. But 
really, it has been self-moderated. It hasn't been as big of a job as you would think. Um, it is a big job. Don't get me wrong. But as far as what you think of like traditional moderation, like making sure people aren't being crappy and making sure that people are being nice to each other and all those things that only very rarely comes up. I mean, very rarely. And I, I don't know that I know the exact reason, but I think that a big part of that is that this culture has been established in this group. That is, this is how we act here. You know, this is a, a judgment-free safe learning environment. And I emphasize that over and over. So people hear that over and over and, you know, they can hear that and think, Ooh, okay. But then they have to actually experience that. And so it's, I just watch it like a hawk, honestly, just to make sure. And, and like a hawk, I should say, I don't feel like I have to do that much because people will, they'll, um, you know, flag anything for me that they think is inappropriate or just mean natured. I just don't tolerate it. You know, if you're going to be a jerk, you get kicked out. I have no problem with that, um, but in the nicest way, right? <laughs> so I'm not like get out of here, you know. But I'm like, this is just not what we do. Like we just don't, we just don't act like that. Tolerate here. that. Yep. Yeah. And there's a yeah. lot of that clinics that, that can take examples from that for clients and situations, mm -hmm. etc. And there's yeah. always flexibility. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's home for you. Yeah, and and it's okay. Like people have bad days and they may act, they may act out. But if you're gonna take it too far, you know. It just depends. Like it, there's a few situations that have come up that I've had to talk to. Usually I talk to the person first, I message them and I have a conversation and this is, you know, a lot of work for me. So I, I don't, luckily it's not all the time, but the times it has come up, it's just conversational based. And it might be like, Hey, don't, don't do that. Or like, let's talk about like, you know, the rules or whatever. Um, but then, you know, if it just goes too far, then there it goes. I'm not, yeah, it's just not the place for them. Excellent. So then you take this Facebook group where you want it to share, you want it to be able to teach and move forward, fast forward. What is Kate doing today? Because I was really excited about this. And I think our listeners are super um, into the different ways of both monetizing what you know really well, mm -hmm. and creating a life that makes sense for a family change for you, a geographical change, and also direction and career. Share yeah. with us that part, because I think it is so impactful um, to those that are listening. Yeah. Yeah. It's been amazing just allowing things to happen. And um, it's not all passive, but just paying attention to the opportunities that are not traditional and pursuing those and just cracking that door and then going, wait a minute, there's, there's something here. And ultimately at the end of the day, the, and I'll detail this, but at the end of the day with the career I have now um, working for myself is amazing. <laughs> and just to know that you can create a job, and I shouldn't say you, because I know that this is not the scenario for everybody. There are different, I mean, people may be thinking, well, I can't because I'm, you know, my family situation or medical, like, you know, something. So it's not that it's just one size fits all, but if you're in a position to be creative about your life and your job, uh, this is just one thing I've, I've recognized over the past years and in, in where I am now is that you, you, you do not have to just wait for somebody to offer you a job. <laughs> um, and you don't have to just accept uh, a job that's offered to you without any kind of negotiation or discussion about what that's going to look like. So to back up, just to answer your question, I, um, I now work for myself. I, so out of the, out of the Facebook group, 
Um, I had never intended to be my own boss, um, but naturally people said, hey, do you have CE? Like, I like the way you teach. Do you have any kind of CE courses? And I was like, no. You know, at the time I had um, one small son. I have two babies now. Well, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. They feel like babies to me still. But uh, but at the time I was just working full-time, had my full-time job and family. And I was like, that sounds really fun, but I have no idea how I would do that. And I sat on that idea for about a year until people just kept on asking, kept on. I was like, well, I, I'll, I'm going to just do this and just, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do the best I can. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to record these, uh, these courses on QuickTime, like nothing fancy. And I'm going to put them, upload them into this educational software stuff that I found. It's not anything complicated, like a little website and sell these courses because people are asking me for them. And I can see how, there's such a huge gap in people's comfort level and, and, you know, um, education. And that's not a knock on the schools. There's just only so much time, um, in this area. So they need it. And so, you know, I just, I, I'm just going to, you know, it, t- it took a lot of time. So it's, you know, um, and I do a lot of free education too, but these are, these are paid courses. And so I was like, okay, I'll just try this. So again, with no intent to make this a career, but just a little side fun project. And, a lot of people bought it. And I was like, well, okay, this is cool because one, this is supplementing my income and who doesn't like that. And two, it's helping people <laughs> like what better job to have, you know, that you're, you're be able, you're able to do that. And, um, again, at that time, it was never an intent to be a full-time thing. So another course came because people were asking for a hematology course. And then my membership now I have is a monthly membership. And what happened was, is basically long story short, I was not able to, we ended up moving back to Tennessee and I was not able to make it work with my prior job um, to continue working in Tennessee. And I thought, well, <laughs> maybe I should try to make this my full-time job um, and see what happens. And so I was like, worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. And I find, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it I'll do something else. And so far it's been almost a year and I've been doing well. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, comfortable with the, you know, job aspect of it, but what's even just more exciting to me is just waking up and making my own schedule for the day. I'm very busy, but it's the busy I want to be. And I know that all the things that I'm doing are geared towards helping veterinary professionals learn cytology. And that just is, it sounds corny, but it's just so fulfilling. <laughs> and it's filling your boat. It's helping it you guys is. economically. Uh, yeah. You know, we're recording where you've got a basketball in the background. There. I think it's a basketball. <laughs> yeah. And then you also have your husband that's working in the veterinary field as well, too, which I yeah. bet is just such a great bounce off and, and that collaboration piece. And it is. Yeah, but we are, but we are, I forgot to mention. So because of the flexibility and working for yourself and um, my husband is going to move to relief and we are, we bought an RV and we're going to go travel in 2022 and just work from the road. So in my head, you know, this sounds like a really good idea. I have no idea how to work out in, in practice with two small kids, but this is the, this is kind of how we're living our life now. Just try to do stuff. And if it's like, that was a bad idea, then just stop. You're like so many people. And, and I, 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 unfortunately, this is so hard. I have two parts of me that says this because we need more people in clinics as well. We have a yeah. veterinary professional shortage in clinics, but the bigger part of me goes, I, I clap hand because you're taking something that you have started as a, a project and a passion project and said, now this is fulfilling both my, my 
professional life and commitments to my profession, as mm-hmm. well as to my family. And we're making yeah. a goal of this. How could you ask yeah. for better? Yeah. And sometimes yeah. that doesn't mean you need, actually many times that doesn't mean you need to be in clinics to yeah. make that work as yeah, a veterinarian, even, which is so and, strange. Yeah. And there's and so good. many variations of this too. I mean, it's not like, well, first, I just want to make sure everybody listening understands that this is, I know this all sounds like, well, good for you. That sounds great. <laughs> it is great. I am, ha- I'm, I'm thrilled with where I am, but it has been hard. And I've done a lot of work before now that I didn't, you know, I enjoyed, but wasn't the, the, where I wanted to be. And, and I didn't even see it at the time. I wasn't running away from anything. I wasn't running away from a bad job. I just found something that was more fulfilling to me um, that I just went for. But you can you can piece this together in any way you know that you're able to or that you can envision for yourself and try for. Now, again, family situation, dynamics, and that kind of thing can play a big role in this for people and location. Um, so I don't want to make it sound easy, but even like with my husband, he loves emergency medicine. He is not trying to get away from it. And it's been really like I've been pulling him going, let's just try this for a year. Cause our, our son's going to be going into kindergarten. Let, you know, we're going to lose that opportunity to travel heavily. So we're just actually just making it work. He's going to be working relief, not, you know, he'll probably be working the same amount of time, but just structured differently for me, I'm going to be working on the road. We are actually planning on, um, uh, combining some of our, trips that we have planned with speaking events. So I have several things planned in 2022 that I'm going to be doing like a four hour speaking event, you know, and then I'm going to go back to my camper, (laughs) you know, so it's, yeah. Yeah. So just making it work, making whatever you can work. Hasn't always been easy, but it's just, I'm just, I'm very happy with where things are now. Yeah. And something that I also respect and also I think needs to be pointed out, even for the setup for this meeting. And we talked about this in pre, it's not just you. You have Mm -hmm. three VAs behind you. You have one main assistant and a couple of others that you've built up over time. I know Mike and I bounce back and forth as to how do you make this lifestyle that we've chosen as efficient as possible so that it's not Mm -hmm. on your own shoulders. My guess is that didn't happen overnight either. Oh, no, no, it didn't. And, and I, I felt funny getting VAs, virtual assistants, because I, uh, I don't know. I just thought like, who has virtual assistants or assistants at all, like fancy people, you know, I'm not a fancy person. Uh, but once you start that process, it's difficult to stop because what happens is, is you realize you can maximize your efficiency to then enjoy the life you're creating, you know, on purpose. So instead of working 60 hours a week on my stuff, you know, I can work a regular schedule and have somebody help me um, do things that I don't necessarily need to do. You know, I still like to answer all my emails from people. I don't really like somebody else answering my emails, but there are things like having issues logging into the courses or something, if that ever comes up or um, helping me with my schedule, because now that I'm doing a lot of speaking events, you know, just making sure, you know, asking her to help me make sure that they're on my calendar and I don't forget them and sending out Zoom links and just little things, you know. And now I'm like, everybody, I don't care if you don't have a business. Like, I don't care if you, everybody should have an assistant. (laughs) It's just, I don't know. You know, it's probably a little much, but yeah, it's not just me. I have a lot of help. Mike, anything to add to that? You're preaching to the choir to Mike here. Oh, (laughs) I've just gone back and forth on this. Smiling so much, Kate. And I mean, for, for people listening, I'm sure they can hear this coming through, but if you're watching on 
YouTube, like, hey, you, you're beaming, right? Right from before we even hit record when we were just bantering beforehand. Um, like, I'm, well, I'm talking I'm just... to two very nice Canadians. I mean, how can you not? <laughs> but I don't know. I'm, I'm so happy, you know, when we, that this podcast gets to go out and veterinary professionals can see, you know, like you're living a life of such fulfillment and alignment. Like it's, yeah. it's so possible. And so I've just been smiling the whole time. That's why I haven't been saying much, but yeah, I'm no, I, I know that it's hard. I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I, I just want to be very conscientious of just the situations people are in and especially the state of veterinary medicine right now and how it feels, because I am not oblivious to that I live with that in my home through my husband just that, that pressure of what's happening, especially right now. Um, so I'm not, I'm not unaware of that. And, and it takes a lot of, you know, family discussions and how much should you be working versus how much should you take time? Should you take for yourself and your family and finding those balances? Those are discussions that happen at our house all the time. You know, no, you can't stay until, uh, seven o'clock because I can't walk and our kids are coming home. And I, you know, cause just to, for people listening, I was in an accident, car accident and I broke my leg. And so, you know, it's just like these little logistical things that, um, or maybe you're working too much and you know that, but you feel the need to help in the veterinary field right now. And that is not an easy thing to figure out at all. We're, we're de- dealing with it too. But I think once you, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I do appreciate you saying that it's, that it's nice to see an example of, of a fulfilled person in this field, because it is possible. <laughs> it, um, now if pathology didn't exist, I probably would have made a big mistake <laughs> because I don't know that, not that there's anything wrong, but for me, I just, I, uh, I, I feel like this is just where I belong and I shouldn't say mistake. I have done some vaccine clinics, which that's a whole nother discussion. I don't want to irritate any of the veterinarians listening, but I was like, I want a little bit of a little bit of clinical practice in there still. And maybe I'll go do a couple of vaccine clinics. And I was like, I'm not cut out for this. I was like texting Will going, uh, and I did all this research beforehand, you know, just to remember all the vaccine schedules. And it's like, I don't want to get a puppy exam. Like I don't know anything about puppies anymore. And of course the first one I got, and, and it's not, you know, an exam because it's just a vaccine clinic, but of course they're going to talk, ask questions. The good thing about uh, that is you can be like, go to your general veterinarian. Like this is, I'm just giving your dog a vaccine. I don't know. I don't know anything about dog food. (laughs) Don't ask me. Does does he have any, you know, Demodex that I can look at in the microscope? (laughs) So interesting you mentioned that because uh, many, many specialists I talk to have the exact same comment that you have. It's so interesting to hear because the specialists like, I don't know anything about anything except for in this very narrow field. Mm -hmm. And then the general practitioner, me being one of them goes, I don't know anything specific about anything i can give you the general jack of all trades version but isn't it amazing how it's so it's so yeah it just is so um cohesive in that way you know there's a there is a spot for everybody and nobody i know i'm getting a little bit off here but like nobody is better than anybody and i i want to make sure that i emphasize that because that's one thing in the specialist realm that i feel like not even necessarily the specialists project that but there may be from a practitioner's standpoint, like some intimidation there sometimes. No. <laughs> and, and, and if it, if you've experienced that because of an experience you've had with a specialist that's been acting like that, it's not right. We're all just doing this to help animals period. Like I went to, I went to a little more training to do this one thing. That's it. Like I'm a, a veterinarian too. So 
I'm having our producer quote that right there. <laughs> well, it's it sad that it should, has right to be now. said. <laughs> it's sad it has to be said, but I know I I you know I know how it is sometimes. Leaving my comments to myself. I completely <laughs> agree with you. <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> let's all be friends. <laughs> and you know what? We are all friends. We yeah. are in this profession for the right reasons. We all yeah. went into it for the right reasons, and we have so much to grow with together. And for so sure. It's conversations sure. like this that keep us really fulfilled and uplifted okay. towards what's possible considering the challenges we all have with us. And For that's sure. one of the reasons Mike and I started this to ensure that we could have these positive conversations. So with that, we are going to switch gears into what we term our impact round, Kate, where we're going to ask you a number of short questions and have you answer as you so please. So our first I'm question- very verbose. So I'm going to try to keep it short <laughs> and not expand. Okay. <laughs> Let's try with the first one. Okay. I'm ready. Cat, are you a cat or dog person? Chihuahua person, specifically. <laughs> I'm going to keep it short. All, always chihuahuas, all day. True or false? I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian since I was a kid. Mm, high school. High school. All right. How would your friends describe what you do for a living? Mm. Most of my friends think that I work in a GP clinic. That's what they envision me doing. Yeah. I think their heads would explode if I tried to explain more. So I just leave it at that. Safer. What is your favorite hobby? Mm, Photography. Nice. Nature, city, anything? Uh, People. People. Portraits. What in this world are you most grateful for? Mm, Definitely my health, especially after my car accident and my family's health. Yeah. All important. Well, we got through that. You did very well on the keeping it short part. You did. Is that it? That's that's a record. That was the fastest impact round on history. That took everything in me not to keep talking. I have a a problem. (laughs) Okay. This has been a pleasure. Uh, yes, really enjoyed it. We could have, we, we could take this conversation so much further and hope that we one day have that ability to do so. There are going to be a number of individuals that are going to want to seek you out. I already tested you at the start of this conversation in the pre-recording. If people want to learn more about your skills and what you're providing to the veterinary profession, where do they find you? I'm in a couple places. So I'm on Instagram at clinpathkate. And I am, I have my website, which has all of my learning resources, both free and my um, paid courses and membership, which is www.veterinarycytologyschoolhouse.com. Long URL, I know, but <laughs> um, perfect. Yeah. And on Facebook, the Veterinary Cytology Coffee House, that's for anybody who's a veterinarian or a veterinary technician. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Mike. Any words in close? yourself. I uh, just, thanks, Kate. This was amazing. Uh, it's Good. funny. You, you see someone online, like I've only seen your social media presence. Um, and then when we get to connect and chat in person, I mean, this was fun. This yeah, was a really was. fun conversation. Um, and I'm, we're going to track you down in your RV a year ish <laughs> from now, check in, see how that's going. That sounds amazing. Um, I'm really pumped for you guys to be taking that on. Thank you. I am too. And I really appreciate you guys inviting me. This has been a blast. I've got an idea for a live podcast in Kate's RV in 2022. Oh, I've already Some been conference like, should... that we're all in together. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, should I make a new Instagram account for 
my RV travels. I mean, I already have that, but we have chickens and I sell eggs and we have a, a totally different farm page. I'm like, I don't need another social media account. I'm, I'm picturing more of like an RV wrap, like your whole RV, clean path, Kate. I like it. Schoolhouse just on wheels rolling across the US. I think you're onto something. You're giving Ways me ideas. To pay for this. There's business deductions <laughs> in the works right. right here. That's right. Talk to my accountant. <laughs> so in every conversation, Kate, the last word belongs to you. What message do you want to leave for the veterinary community? I would say you are doing a good job and I'm proud of you. Thank you for listening to the Veterinary Project Podcast. As a recap, on behalf of our hosts, the Veterinary Project Podcast will be releasing new episodes weekly. So be sure to tune in as we bring you more conversations aimed at helping you enjoy a life well lived. If you enjoyed what you heard on the show and you want to stay in the know, please like, love, and or subscribe to the podcast on the listening platform of your choosing, as we're available on all the usual suspects. If you know of others that may benefit from these conversations, we'd love it if you please share the show with them, as this will help us grow our community to reach more and more veterinary professionals. Speaking of which, if you are a veterinary professional and would like to get connected with more like-minded individuals who are joining us on this journey, please send an email to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com, and we'll invite you to be a part of our private Facebook group. General feedback, requests for information, or perhaps requests to be a guest on the show can also be sent to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com. Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll catch you again next week for another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Bye for now. Bye for now.